welcome. You're now listening to episode 107 from The Shed and Theo. How are you doing? Not bad. I was doing really well last weekend. I ran my first marathon in Valencia. Um, really sunny out there. I uh, really enjoyed it. And Chelsea won on the Sunday, the same day of the marathon against Brighton. So I had an amazing weekend. Um, and then quickly my mood changed on Wednesday evening after my Christmas party. Chelsea United um, up in Old Trafford. Um, but we're going to get that to, to that in a bit. Um, but yeah, Chelsea aside, like I always say, I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, in fact, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm still, I'm still angry. I'm still annoyed um, at the football. Unfortunately, football rules a lot of my life. So obviously, when things don't go to plan on the pitch, it always, also spills into outside of football. So I'm still annoyed. I'm re- re- really annoyed at Chelsea. Um, trying to remove football element away from it slightly. Yeah, obviously coming up to Christmas, so it's a good period in, in terms of family life, but. We're not here to talk about family life. We're here to talk about the shambles that is Chelsea Football Club. So before we get into today's episode, please make sure you go to the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and like the video and all of that stuff. And if you haven't already, make sure you go to the social accounts and uh, follow the accounts on there as well. Uh, we appreciate all the, you know, the the the, the support for the channel as well. So it's definitely uh, appreciated 100%. But no place other to start really and to maybe for the bulk of this episode is going to be about Manchester United 2, Chelsea 1. A scoreline and reflection that doesn't sound so bad, but when you look at the performance, um, it's up there with one of the worst Chelsea. And I said this in the video, the, the the review, but this is up there with one of the worst Chelsea performances I've ever watched in over 30-odd years of football. Um, just try and assess really, maybe from the start, let's start as we always do with the lineup, but... Was you surprised to see Reese James on the bench, knowing this is a game where you need to possibly win? You know, three points is at, is at stake. Um, was you surprised with the lineup, especially in defence, uh, how Pochettino lined us up? Yeah, I think um, the midfield and the offensive players, I think it made sense given uh, injuries to Ogachuku, Madweke, um, and suspension to Conor Gallagher. But I was slightly surprised by the choice to play Cucurella as a right back and Levi Colwell as a as a left back when you've got Ian Matson a natural left back and Cucurella a natural le- left back in the squad and you've got Reese James as um the captain and natural le- uh, natural right back um coming back from his um one one match suspension mm. after the two yellows um at St James's Park that being said I think I was quite happy to see him on the bench I think it's almost um it goes to show that he's not he's not untouchable um and um he he does deserve to kind of face a bit of disciplinary action on top of his suspension. He needs to be dropped um, because his his yellow, his red card at St. James's Park, I I do think we were going to lose that game either way, but it almost cost us the game and he really threw it away for us. So I think it's a good uh, good kind of a decision from Pochettino goes to show that no player is is undroppable. Um, So yeah, I would, um, um, I was quite pleased with the initial lineup. Um, But... It's still a bit confusing when you've got um, full backs that aren't really starting there and you've got centre-backs being played as full backs and you've got a 39-year-old starting three back-to-back Premier League games. It's still not fully kind of comprehensible. But, um, but yeah, I think there's no real surprises other than that in a starting eleven. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I, I would have... And I agree with you. Any other circumstances when you've got maybe another, you know, you've got Malo Gusto, you've got someone that can play that right back role a bit better. And I'm not saying Cocorel, you know, he's shown that he can play that role really well as right back, but he's also shown that he 
struggles at times. But so I, w- I was surprised to see James on the bench. I thought I think we both had him in our produ- predicted lineups, and I would have started him, um, especially in hindsight. I mean, flipping hell, like it was, it was just it was just a nightmare down that left side with Garnacho. But I do understand with Reese James why you would you you'd want to set a president as the the captain that you can't you know. Get, get you know yellow cards stupidly as well you know not even you know for challenges one of them was 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 um the challenge on Gordon obviously and the other one was dissent so I get it I do but when you're up against Old Trafford Manchester United you know we're 10th in the league we're struggling you know to get the ball forward to create chances and and I just thought I, I mean what even got me even I'm trying not to get angry today I was really angry yesterday but what got me even more annoyed was would it have not made more sense to have Desazi playing right back? I know it's the lesser of two evils, but you almost—I don't understand the, the thought process of putting Cucurella as a right back when he's a he's, he's a left-sided player. Desazi has played right back. I think he played right back in the last game against Brighton. I think so. It it it, it, it just it just baffled me the whole defensive line. Seeing that before kickoff, I knew what sort of game we was going to be in for. I just knew I knew it was going to be a difficult game anyway, but um. Yeah, I was just I was in disbelief to see because I think a lot of people originally thought Tassasi was going to play the right back, Kukurea left back, as you naturally would. I was more annoyed when Reese James came on because I I think he made things worse by coming on, and I don't know if it was because he was, you know, he's obviously coming in sort of cold into the game, not literally, but I mean in terms of having to pick up the pace of the game and understand how the game, the pace of the game, and how it's being played. But he was poor. He's not, he's just, he's just, ah, I don't know. He's not, for me, he's not a captain material player. Levi Cowell being given the captain's armband as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to get angry today. I'm really, really no. trying. But to give someone, and I'm, I'm, this isn't a criticism against Cowell, but to give someone the armband who's played a handful of games for the club at professional level is still technically a deve- in development himself when you've got someone like Thiago Silva, Raheem Sterling on that pitch. And I'm not saying it would have made a massive difference, but to give it to Colwell, just, it tells me a lot about Potticino, I think, going forward. Was you, was you surprised by that to see that Colwell was was captain for the first half? Hugely surprised. Hugely surprised. When James is not on the pitch, no Ben Chilwell, who's our vice-captain, you logically think the next player to give it to is um, Gallagher suspended as well, is Sterling or Silva. And the fact that Pochino gives it to Colwell, mm. a player who's playing his first full season at Chelsea Football Club, it's almost like an act that you do on the final game of the season when you've got nothing to play for. You just give it to a player who, you know, he's come through the academy and it, it will mean a lot for him. But to do it in December at Old Trafford in a game where we're fighting for three points against one of our biggest Premier League rivals, almost feels like Pochino is thrown a season away. He doesn't really care anymore. I mean, I'm sure he does care, but... It just doesn't really sit right with Chelsea fans. I would have given it to Silva, I would have given it to Sterling, but to give it to Colwell makes zero sense in my opinion. Mm. It was a, it was a strange one, and I, I feel maybe Potticino's thought process is because I've noticed this obviously is a pattern. You know, he's given the armband to younger players. You know, look at Reese James, who theoretically is still a younger player in the, in the squad. Um, Conor Gallagher. Colwell, it seems like he's trying to install, I think I might have said this to you um, on WhatsApp, but he's trying to install confidence in some of the youth players, but the problem is it's not working. You know, you look at some of these players and they honestly look shocked to be playing for the club. 
they look like inexperienced. They, I think you, I think you said about Reese James that he should be playing for for Sheffield Wednesday or Sheffield United. I mean, this is the level of quality, and we joke about it now. This is the level of quality that they're giving us. They're giving us piss poor performances in Championship, League One, League Two, grassroots level football. Sanchez, another one. I mean, I don't know how how many times do we need to see a goalkeeper put his players under pressure, playing out for can't play out from the back. His distribution on on again on Wednesday was horrific. I know I know we spoke about him last time. We was giving him credit, but it, it, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, is it is it time surely to give Petrovic a, a chance? I know we spoke about it last week, but surely surely question marks have to be seeping in from fans now about Sanchez. Is he is he the quality that Chelsea needs? Yeah, yeah, he saved the penalty, but we're still talking about him having a really poor performance. And that's because the, the modern day goalkeeper needs to be able to play um, with the ball at his feet. He needs to have good distribution. And Sanchez doesn't have that. He really doesn't have that. When he's got the ball at his feet, he seems to panic. He seems to clear it right in front of him to a player wearing the the kit of the opposite, uh, mm. opposite team. And it's, it's poor. And uh, we saw it backfired against us, against um, Arsenal when Declan Rice scored. And it will happen again. You just know for a fact that it will happen again. And I'm not sure if he's working on this on the training grounds or if he's just given up and knows for a fact that he can't clear the ball or try to pass it out from the back. Um, but very rarely nowadays you see a keeper, when he's got the ball, just clear it. And I think we need to bring that back to the game because when a keeper's under pressure, they just need to clear it. Whereas now I think on the training ground, the kind of tactics of the match, we saw it when Sari, I think, first came to Chelsea. As soon as the goalkeeper... Um, gets the ball he needs to almost play it you know to the to the midfielders to the to the to the defenders and that seems to just put them under pressure so much so I just like to see a goalkeeper if he's, he doesn't know what to do just hoof it up the pitch hoof mm. it up the pitch get it away from the penalty box and we have to remember this is one of the reasons I think Brighton sold Sanchez and he got dropped for um, he's called Steel um, it was because Sanchez simply couldn't play with the ball at his feet and the fact we, like I said, we're criticizing his performance. Yeah, he saved the penalty from Bruno Fernandez. Mm. Goes to show how poor he was after that. Um, I still think he's a good keeper. He's got elements to his game that I think have really approved us in the, between the sticks compared to Kepa. When he comes out from um, corners and or crosses, he seems to claim it with a lot more confidence, whereas Kepa would just p- try to punch it out. And he's a very good shot stopper from close range. But his distribution mm. is awful. I've never seen a keeper with such poor distribution. Mm. And it, it will, it, like I said, we will concede more goals. We will, more goals will leak through because of this. Um, so like you said, I think we've got that um, Carabao Cup game against Newcastle coming up, quarterfinal. Mm. I think that's the opportunity to, to see what um, Petrovic has got. And if Petrovic is not up for it, then I think you've got January, you've got the summer, you've got Slinina out in loan in Belgium. Mm-hmm. You've got to consider those options as well. Um, I think we'd, I'd love to have a whole episode about potential goalkeepers that I yeah. think could and make a difference there's a couple in the Liga a couple in the Premier League itself but I think that's a whole um, other topic of conversation but yeah I think a big um, big issue to look at and maybe consider some some options in the transfer market yeah it's it's, it's got to be I mean after I recorded yesterday I just sat down and I just thought one area of the team that you cannot sacrifice and penny pinch on or you know bring in a, a sort of average goalkeeper I mean he makes like you said he makes some good saves but you know everyone was crediting him for the the double save I think it was McTominay they're both at him I expect a goalkeeper to save them Um, you can't you can't sacrifice your goalkeeper you can't and looking back 
can't not, compromise on your no, role. No, but. not at all. And you look back at bringing in Caicedo, bringing in Enzo, you know, two players, as I said, uh, yesterday, you know, two hundred and fifty million pounds worth of talent. You know, you could have spent some of that money on a, a decent goalkeeper. They don't have to be astronomical in terms of the fee. You know, there's decent goalkeepers around that you can probably get for you know seventy, eighty million, sixty million if you shop around. Um, I want to talk about the. I mean, the, the the for me, the most craziest part of the game: Raheem Sterling through on goal. Nicholas Jackson breaking his neck to get into the box, which I thought brilliant. This is what we've been waiting for. Nicholas Jackson doing what he's supposed to be doing, you know, getting into the box to try and score. Sterling squares the ball to Nicholas Jackson. Some people are saying I'm very harsh on Nicholas Jackson because Nicholas Jackson is is um, the ball is passed to, to Jackson a bit too early. This is in the first half of the game still. Most strikers, in my opinion, now I've been watching football since 1990, probably earlier than that that I can remember. Most strikers would just take that ball, chip it over the goalkeeper, or they put their foot through it. They just put the just power, power, put power into the shot. It goes in the back of the net. Jackson takes too many touches on the ball. I've never seen a striker. I've never seen a striker this bad at Chelsea. I'm trying to think of a striker that was this poor in front of goal. I, I, I'm not even trying to take the pit. I generally can't remember the last time a striker was this bad at Chelsea. Mm. I can't. Heavy touches as well. Heavy touches he took. A couple of podcasts ago, um, mm. I think I put him in the same category as a Batshuayi or Loic Remy. Good players, but not good enough no. to be our first choice. I, yeah. I would have even put him in that category now. Remy and Batshuayi would have been burying that chance. They'd have chipped the keeper. They would have put it on target. At least they wouldn't have allowed Anana to to come out his uh, his goal and scoop the ball away. He, yeah, he just seems he, he makes the right runs sometimes, but he just seems very sloppy. He seems lazy. I don't think he's the type of profile of a player that has the right mentality as well to be an amazing Chelsea player. It almost pisses me off that back in August we were comparing him to Drogba. We were saying he's the the next Drogba in the way he's, he's got the same shot number as Drogba. Um, he comes from the same continent as Drogba. He's um, he's got that same kind of uh, build as Drogba. He, he's nothing like Drogba. He is nothing like Drogba, and he's got totally like opposite. all the worst, total opposite. He's got all the worst attributes of the strikers we've had in the last decade. He's offside like Morata. He's got a poor touch, like uh, maybe we saw with um, Tammy Abraham at times. Same with Tammy Abraham. He always slips over like mm. Bambi on ice. He just doesn't look like a Chelsea player to me. Um, and then what pisses me off even more is he's still starting games when you've got Amando Broja on the bench. We both had Broja as our starting striker in this game. I mean, what mm. does Broja have to do to get some game time now or start a match? I think the one game Broja came back in and started was against Fulham and he scored and then he got injured, unfortunately, again after. But you've got to start Broja. Goodison Park on Sunday. If Broja doesn't start, I'm almost tempted not to watch the game because I just know we're going to get the same shit with Nicholas Jackson or Janet Jackson, like <laughs> you called him the other day. Oh. Um, Man. It's frustrating. And honestly, I hate this fixture because I said it, I put a tweet up. We haven't won a game at Old Trafford since May 2013. Mm-hmm. And think of how awful Manchester United have been between then and now. They went through the whole period of David Moyes, Van Gaal, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Mourinho, ups and downs, Jose Mourinho, mm. uh, even Ten Hag for me hasn't been plain sailing under Ten Hag. Mm. It's embarrassing that we haven't been able to to get three points at Old Trafford since then. And I think yesterday or Wednesday, it wasn't a great United team. 
Oh, it no. really wasn't. They, they, but we have just to look at their performances in the Champions League alone. In every single one of their Champions League games, they've almost conceded three goals. I think it's awful, and they, they we allowed them to have twenty eight shots, I believe, whereas we only had three of them. Hmm. It was like men against boys out there, and then you just know the same United team would will, will underperform this weekend. I think they're playing Crystal Palace. Yeah, I'm not too sure who they're playing. But I think it's not Crystal Palace; it's someone else. But um, but yeah, you just know they might they might get a point. They might they might even lose that. Whereas we mm. just go to Old Trafford and allow allow them to kind of walk us over, walk us over. So it's 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 extremely frustrating. And like I, my biggest kind of worry about this season is the lack of consistency. You get the three points against Brighton. You have those two good performances against Tottenham and and City. Then you lose straight afterwards against Newcastle. You bounce back against from the Newcastle defeat. You get three points against Brighton, which was only our fourth Premier League win at home um, in 2023, which is embarrassing. And then you just go to Old Trafford and put in a performance like that. And then the last fixture you want to have after the back end of all this is Goodison Park on Sunday, Everton. Mm-hmm. They've just been to Newcastle 3-0. They've had their 10 points deduction and they look like they got fire in their bellies to to come out of the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. It's it's extremely frustrating. And I think I was WhatsApping you yesterday. Um I was listening to the Obi McHale podcast. Um it was one from a couple of weeks ago, and he had Florin Maluda on as a guest. And they were kind of reminiscing on kind of old Chelsea memories. And then McHale asked Maluda, Do you recognize this current Chelsea team? And Maluda's answer was, the only thing I recognize is the color of their kit. Which he's I think is... Either. He's not even wrong. He's not wrong. He's really not wrong. And he, he went to explain that there's no kind of stability from the manager. There's, these are good managers coming in, but there's no stability. Mm. The players don't really know what it means to play for Chelsea and care more about their brand on social media and all this, which I think is spot on. And he kind of went on to say that Back in the day, and this is the, you know the good era of Chelsea through the Abramovich years, the Mourinho years, even the Tuchel years. Um, the kind of minimum we expect was at least one trophy a season. Now we we're talking about top half of the table. That's how low we've dropped in terms of our standards and expectations. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know what else to do but laugh. I don't. No, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Honestly, yeah. it's like yeah. that's how sad it's gone to be a Chelsea fan. But I agree. I just, I just feel like laughing it off now um, yeah. because I don't want it to get to my head and affect my mood and my emotions. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I think. I mean, going. I, I agree with everything you just said. And I'm as you were doing that, I wanted to pull up the the, the chance that Nicholas Jackson had because I was. It's still in my head. I can't get rid of this. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing a lot of debate about, you know, Sterling possible too early or too late. Or I've, I've, I mean, I'm going to try and screenshot this and hopefully I can add it in when we do the, the uh, post edit for this. But so you've got Dallow who's sprinting into the box. Um, you've got Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof, I think it is on the end there, who's chasing down Sterling. No one's marking Nicholas Jackson at this point. Anana is, let's say, to be honest, is Jackson's got the head start on Onano in goal. The ball is coming towards Jackson. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this into this part of the episode so anyone who's watching this can see that this is basic schoolboy. You know, my five-year-old gets taught things like this every Saturday and Sunday to put the ball in the back of the net. 1v1, it's not even hard. He's, he's poor. He's poor on your right, bro. Bro, you should be starting ahead of him. 
I, I'm not saying Broly is the answer either, but I think how can you have a striker that's on the bench that hasn't really had the opportunity to prove what he can do consistently? Let's not talk about coming in for 60 minutes or for one game. Let's talk about a consistent run of games where we can see Broly are linking up with Palmer, with Sterling, uh, you know, with well, I was going to say with Mudrick, but we'll get on to him in a minute. But okay. with, those, with those players, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen what what uh, bro you can do. So how can how can we continue to play someone that we know clearly isn't the right answer? He's not the answer at the moment. Whether he improves or whether he got he needs a loan or he needs to just have someone ahead of him that he can he can look towards. You know, a, a more prolific goal scorer. Then fair enough. But he's not the answer to be playing week in week out against some of the best teams in in in, in the league. It, it, it just worries me. Um, I agree with you as well. The identity of the club, I said that yesterday, the identity of the club's gone. You know, you look at some of these players and, you know, after a defeat, I mean, Ian Matson under underneath the United, uh, Amrabat's Instagram poster just would never happen 20 years ago. You know, you wouldn't be sitting there pally pally with the, the, the enemy, which is United at this precise moment. You wouldn't do that. You know, Nicholas Jackson should be out on the training ground, regardless of whether training's going on or not. Get out there and, and, and perfect your game. Mm. Don't just sit around and start messaging tarts on, on the internet. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You've got, you know, you, you read the room. You know, you're, you're playing for a club that is, for the last 20 years, has been one of the most successful clubs in England, in Europe. And it takes me on to the owners, which we'll talk about in a minute. But for a club that's been successful, you said one trophy minimum a season. It just goes to show the level of where we are. There's no spine in that team. And it goes back to a point you made on here a couple of weeks ago around the experienced players of, of and the ones who, you know, showed the fight, showed the desire, the leadership. We haven't got that. We can't even put Thiago Silva in that category because, yes, he understands it. But I mean, if if, if Brazil came knocking tomorrow and he could go there in January, he's going to go. Do you know what I mean? He's not like he's through and through Chelsea. Yeah, he lives here. He loves the club. He loves London, and he loves playing for us. But I'm talking about the Lampards, the 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 the, the John Terrys. You know what knew what it meant to play for the club, and wore the armband with pride, and went out there and and put in a 10 out of 10, did he a job, but done the same. Do you know what I mean? So I'm looking at like Mudrick and I just, we can't talk about Mudrick as if he's a new player. We can't, we can't with Enzo. Enzo Fernandez, losing my voice, Enzo Fernandez cost a hundred and whatever million. I'm yet to see him pulling a brilliant performance consistently back to back two games. He's been here for nearly, what, 12 months plus. Nearly. Not good enough. Yeah. Not good enough. You made you made an amazing point on WhatsApp yesterday. How like Chelsea fans are almost treating these players like their kid. Yeah. And they need 12 months to learn, to develop, to get used to the city, to get used to the Not league, Chelsea. The football that is expected. Almost like their kids transferring from one school in one country to another. We're talking about grown yeah. men here. Grown men who need to just put the ball in the back of the net, put two passes together, know how to defend, know how to keep the ball out of the back of the net. These these guys can't do it. And Mudrik for me is that guy. He just got such a weak mentality. I spoke about players almost caring more about their brand on social media or their TikTok or messaging these tarts or whatever. Mudrik's yeah. one of them for me. He, he if, if he got an offer from Barcelona and Madrid in a couple in, in January or something, he'd be off as well. He doesn't care. He just wants to be the 
kind of what's known as a what's known as a footballer in the 21st century. He wants to be one of those with the tattoos, the fancy cars, yeah. the watches, the TikTok videos that get a million views. And that's not not what I want. You mentioned the drug boys, the Terry's, the Lampards, the Balak's, the the Joe Coles, that era of Chelsea, Cavalios, Czechs. And I'm, I I get annoyed when I open in Twitter after a defeat because all I see is pictures of Mourinho, Lampard, Tuchel. And that's what Chelsea fans do to make themselves feel better. They post pictures of the old players, the old generation. And it annoys me, but I'm also one of those people that gets pissed off. And I look back at that old era of Chelsea and think this was, this was what I meant to support Chelsea, to watch Chelsea. And I watch these guys now and I feel so detached, mm-hmm. so, so detached from the club because none of them know what it means to play for Chelsea. Um, none of them probably they all get to the dressing room and they open their phones, they open their Instagram, their TikToks or whatever. I can guarantee you, and I've listened to a few podcasts, mm-hmm. when Lampard and Terry would lose after the game, they would go in the dressing room, they wouldn't talk to anyone. And then they'd be on a training ground the next day, mm-hmm. training, practicing picks, practicing throw-ins, practicing set pieces. Do you think the Madricks and the Nicholas Jackson do that? A hundred percent not. A hundred percent not. They're probably back home playing PlayStation as soon as we lose the game. Literally. 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 Um, Let's, I want to move it over to the owners because I feel at the moment the owners, and I said this before, looking back in hindsight, and I'll compare it to maybe Newcastle at the moment, Aston Villa, another team. I think I mentioned both of those yesterday as well. Both of them have had their ups and downs. You remember when Emery took over Aston Villa, they were 17th in the league. You look at Newcastle, they were almost relegated under Steve Bruce and, and Eddie Howe comes in, the owners obviously come in and pump a bit of money into the team. Very similar to what you know you would expect Todd Bowley and Clear Lake and whoever else to, to do the same for Chelsea. Now, it's so crazy because when I look at Newcastle and I look at Villa, I can see their projects. Mm. I can see their vision. I can see what they're trying to build. I can see what direction they're trying to head into. I can see when they're on the pitch, what they're trying to do. I look at this Chelsea team and bearing in mind, you know, this project is not new. This project has been two years almost in the making. We spent 980 million, whatever you want to call it. Let's just round it off to a nice billion pounds. And we still have the question of what is the project? What are we trying to achieve with the squads? We, we, no one. I, I ask it every. I'm going to ask it every week on here. What is the project? What are we trying to achieve? How are we going to go from bringing in so many youth players, you losing that experience of even? I hate to say this, but even the likes of like Ruben Loftus Cheek and Mason Mount and those players that have been at that club for so long, so it's ingrained in them. You know, Tomori, another one, Aspilicueta, losing all that. Popovich. Kovacic, another one who's been at the club for so long, even Kante, put him in there as well. Those players, you lose all that and you replace it with all this youth. What is the, like, what's the overall outcome of the projects? What are we trying to achieve by doing this? Is it because if it's a case of in 2030, you're going to have one of the best teams in the world and you've nurtured or developed all these players and they've been at the club for seven years, then great then great, but we might not be in the Premier League at that point. We could be in the Championship, and that's just being realistic. We could be in that conversation because of how we're playing at the moment. We can't really sack Potticino in my eyes. I want him gone, I'll be honest. If we lose on Sunday, I'm I'm pretty done with him because he's, his comments after the game against Man United were, were crazy. I had the TV off by then. Well, he basically done a great empire and said the boys gave everything. 
that was literally in, not the boys, but he did say he, he, he's proud of the team. They gave everything. So I don't know what second half he was watching, but it wasn't Old Trafford. Um, but what about the owners? I mean, now you're looking back, the recruitment has been sporadic. It's been crazy. Scattergun, throwing money at things, avoiding getting a goalkeeper of, of quality, a striker of quality. You know, there's a lot of talk online, a lot of you know, fans, Chelsea fans saying that we need to get rid of like the likes of Madweki and Mudrik. And I, I, I do agree with them to an extent. But some of these players are on big contracts, seven, eight year deals, six year deals. It's not as, this isn't, I say all the time, this is not FIFA and football manager. You have to understand it's also a business. And that's, this is where, you know, I said yesterday, fans need to stop going to the games and boycotting the games and stop buying the merchandise because you're just lining up their pockets. Filling up the owners' pockets, the, the the owners are happy because the money's coming in. Stanford Bridge is sold out. You know this because you know you know what the virtual waiting rooms like it's it's a nightmare to try and get tickets. Stanford Bridge is never empty, so the pockets of the, the owners are, are all right. You know the merchandise is coming through. You know, hundred pound a top, hundred and fifty pound a tracksuit. They're they're all right, but the the results are suffering, and the owners don't give a shit about it. What needs to change with the owners? Do the owners need to rip up this idea of bringing in youth players and trying to 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 mould this? Um, don't know what you want to call it. This 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 future future proofed squad of players in the next three or four years, or do we need to go back to what was successful for twenty years and actually build a spine, a core of a team, and build your youth around that? You know, when we had Costa, we had other strikers coming through, midfielders, we had other midfielders coming through, but we had the spine, we had an identity and a way of playing. And, and as I said yesterday, a fear factor. You remember some of the, the, the teams would would hate to come to Stamford Bridge. Mm. Do we need to go back to that where we, we're, you know, successful for 20 years with it? Why would you rip that up to then bring in a kindergarten project that hasn't clearly taken off the ground yet and we still don't know what we're trying to do two, two years down the line? Yeah. I mean, last last season, back in last season, when the Mounts, the Loftus Cheeks, the Kovacic's, the Kante's, the Havertz, the Jorginho's, all those players left Chelsea, I was confused. Mm. I was very, very confused. Now I completely understand why they left, and that's because what you just said. There's no project. Mm. There's zero project. There's zero vision, and that's down to the ownership. I think they've come in and they've completely revamped the club for the worse. They've changed the entire strategy of um, transfer strategy. So instead of signing, you know, the likes of Fabregas, Diego Costa, Felipe Luis, which we all did in one transfer window, mm-hmm. instead you sign Ugo Chuku, Madweke, Angelino Gabriel. Um, we're looking at another, I think, sixteen-year-old from Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, um, players that are inexperienced, that have no track record, and then we're going to be like, oh shit, okay, like, give him twelve months so he gets used to the league and. Like I just said, we you know we're Chelsea fans. We're used to at least a trophy a season, and we don't we can't give these players twelve months. Diego Costa, Drugboy, when he first came, they hit the ground running. They they provided goals. Mm. Fabregas didn't need time to adapt. This goes back to what I said in the previous episode. We need to get players with experience. I agree. I agree. I agree with that. And then those young those young players, the the Uguchukus, the Madwekes, the Madriks, will learn from them. Mm-hmm. Right now, these players aren't learning from each other. And then you've got captains that are getting sent off and not setting the precedent. And these young players will learn from them and they'll get sent off as well. Pick up yellow cards, taking the ball away, getting in the, the referee's face like Jackson does every week. It's For me, it's, there's so many different things and it trickles down from the top, which is the ownership. 
Um, you spoke about, you know, they, the owners don't care for them. They're, they're American. They own the LA Lakers, the Dodgers, um, Strasbourg. They have this whole kind of uh, organization of franchise of it's football portfolio, clubs. Portfolio, portfolio, football, portfolio. sports, sports clubs. You go into the mega store now. You can get baseball style Chelsea snapbacks and all this. For them, it's a business. It's a mm. business. It's they want to commercialize the club. And like you said, as long as the money goes in their pockets, they don't care. A few things I'd like to see is maybe a Q and A with the owners with Chelsea fans. I think that would be really interesting to see, mm. and they can maybe understand the frustrations of the Chelsea fans firsthand. But surely they must see. Um, that. They must see the frustration. I mean, I, I, you know, you know that they they're online. They 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 used to be online. I'm sure they've got burner accounts still online. They must see the frustration at this, you know, the stadium, the the the, the constant pressure that Protettino is under in press conferences, the performances on the. They must. They they you know, they know. They must, yeah, but I want to see it almost like press conference, start room, face to face, and then you can really see what it means, kind of like to have it there. Because I want that step before it kind of trickles down to the stadium, and we get the banners out with Bowley out. We we continue to have this kind of toxic atmosphere around Stamford Bridge because um, that's the last thing I want to see at Chelsea. I know you mentioned boy games, and I'm kind of on the fence about that, but. But yeah, the ownerships need to change. Need to change something up, or be more smart in the transfer market. And I say be more smart. We spent a billion on players, yet we're still talking about a hundred million on a goalkeeper and a hundred million on a striker. It baffles me. It really, really baffles me. Um, and then we keep saying, "Oh, and Cuckoo is the answer." And Cuckoo is the answer. We're putting so much pressure on this guy. So much pressure. And I can guarantee you for a fact, come January, he'll pick up another injury. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I would be, I would be almost certain he's been rushed back to an extent. I don't even think he's fully fit. Um, there's yeah. talk that obviously he's back in training. Um, he's been back in training for a couple of weeks now, and I think there was talk of him possibly being on the bench for for Sunday. But he's not the answer. I'm sorry, you yeah. can't rely on one player to perform, get you goals, galvanize your team. He's not, you know, if if, if Nkunku had been in this squad for three years and, you know, we'd won Champions Leagues with him in the Premier League and he was the reason really we won that, you know, the Gareth Bale of, of Real Madrid or whatever, then I would understand I'd fully be back in, like, you know, we're missing Nkunku because we know what he can offer. We No one even knows what he can deliver and offer us in a team, in a, in a competitive game. So this whole narrative of fans saying, you know, wait till Nkunku comes, it was the same conversations people were saying to me about Enzo Fernandez when we didn't have Caicedo. Yes. And yeah. when we had Caicedo in the team, he's do, what's he done? And not, not to single him out, but he's not, he's done nothing either. So now we're finding another excuse. Oh, we need Nkunku. Nkunku's back in the team in a couple of weeks. Who are we going to blame for Nicholas Jackson being poor in front of goal? Because we can't blame Nkunku. Because a lot of the stuff I'm hearing is, oh, he needs Nkunku to feed him and give him the service. Well, if that if that's really what it is, then I'd, I'd yeah, I think you're right to not to not watch the game on Sunday if he starts because you know Nicholas Jackson was a striker at Villarreal without Nkunku. We didn't sign him because Nkunku was feeding him the ball. So. I don't get it. I really don't. Yeah, I'm, I might even not watch the game on Sunday as soon as I see the pre-match graphic or edit come out, which always gives me a headache. Um, yeah, the kind of blurred writing and dizziness of it always. See again, like we speak about the club, the ownerships, the social media admins are a mess at the moment as well. Mm. Where we've just lost a game and then they post a video a couple of days later of the players in training with some backdrop music, yeah. almost like to pump them up. That's not what the fans want. Mm. The fans want to see the players 
getting the results on the pitch and not them training and kind of being all smiley, giving the thumbs up to the cameras, all that. It's mm. There's a lot that's wrong with the club right now. And I think you sent me a tweet the other day that summed it all up. Um, the yeah. Westview, the owners. Um, 90% of people recording. Yeah, that's a big issue. You go in West Lower now, Westview, half the people watch the games through their, their the camera phone. lenses yeah. or their, through their phones. Um, and then whereas you have like passionate Chelsea fans who would not have been able to get a ticket through the, the virtual waiting room. But the owners don't care as long as they get the money from the tickets. It's a bum on the seat. As long as there's bums on seats and, and it's revenue, like you say, you know, um, I think you said the match day programs as well. Yeah, um, I've stopped buying those. Yeah. Um, they've gone shorter as well. Yeah. No no magazines, no monthly magazines now. Um, and it, they're more expensive. Programs are a lot shorter and I think they're four quid now, 350. I used to pay three pounds for them back in 2012. Mm. And I'd always enjoy reading them, you know, half time before the games. What do I want to read about now? around the club. <laughs> Ochettino's pre-match notes. Um, Reese James, what he thinks about the opposition. I don't really care about that. <laughs> if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, let's let's quickly talk about Pochettino before we go on to Sunday, but he, he came in with the reputation, obviously back off PSG, Spurs, Southampton. Um, a manager that would be able to get us back into European football. I don't think he was ever brought in to win the league or to win a, uh, you know, the Champions League or whatever, or to win the Premier League, I should say. Um, is he underperforming or is this his level? Maybe that's the better question. Is this his level? His level is mid-table, possibly Europa. Uh, you know, have we over... What's the word I'm looking for? Have we gassed him up a bit too much to basically say mm-hmm. that we think he's the the guy that can get us back to the you know the promised land? I don't think he is. I'm looking at I look at him and I think I look at his I question his his tactics. I question his 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 decision to continue to play particular players. Come Sunday, bearing in mind we played Wednesday, Everton played yesterday, last night, Thursday. They've had a ten point deduction, like you said. Should we lose? I think you know where I'm going with this. Should 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 they lose on or should we lose on Sunday at Goodison? Is there question marks about how long Potticino will sustain the job at Chelsea? I think there will be question marks, and a lot of fans are already showing their frustration online for their YouTube videos or that, and rightfully so. If you're not getting the results on the pitch, fans have the right to be frustrated, especially when they're paying money every week and paying a lot of money to go out to Newcastle, up to Old Trafford. Um, they have the right to be frustrated. Um, I actually, I'm sure I said it in a podcast episode back end of last season. I was more in favour of a Luis Enrique. Yeah, you did. A manager that a manager that had won trophies with the national team, perhaps or Champions back League. at Barcelona, Champions Leagues. Mm. The only kind of accolade Poch has to his name is getting to the Champions League final with Spurs. And I think he bo- lost. And he still bottled it. Uh, yeah, he still bottled it, and, he's, and I think he lost out to in Liga to Lille. If yep. I'm not mistaken, yep. he didn't even win that, and then he he only he only lasted I think a year and a half or two years there. Mm. I I do like him. I do think he's he's brought a bit of something to the club compared to what Graham Potter had showed last season. But it seems like again we spoke about the precedent of players we're bringing in. Mm. I think the managers now that we're bringing in as well aren't winners. You look at Graham Potter; he wasn't a winner. Pochettino mm-hmm. isn't exactly a winner either. It just seems like the new standard of managers maybe we want, and if we're going to be a mid-table team. Maybe these are the managers that we're going to have to get used to. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to, I'm going to throw this out to you. You mentioned Graham Paul. We were worse off this time that we are now than we were with Graham Paul. Yeah, Graham Poss had a good October. I remember he won yeah, three or four games in a row. He went on a good um, run. Was that the AC Milan time as well? Was, yeah, uh, a good beat run. Milan back to back. I yeah. think uh, you know a couple wins against Villa. Um, I think we beat our, um, Salzburg in between there as well. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, there were a few wins there, and I remember it started off quite well. And I was very optimistic at the beginning of the Graham Poss period. And the downfall was was about now. Yeah. The downfall started before the World Cup. Yeah, before the World Cup, after the World Cup. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, business I, end of the season in December. It's going to be, I think, make or break for Boschino, perhaps. But I, I, I say that because I, I, I say to back up what you're saying to an extent because I think these are managers that are, are, are mid table. They are take away the PSG for a minute for for Potocino. He's probably in the same bracket as Graham Paul. I mean, you look at his their CVs; they're probably not that dissimilar. They're they're actually they're actually very alike. They are. Yeah, Pochettino. One difference I would say is maybe managed players of a higher quality, the likes of Lionel Messi, Harry Kane, Son, Sergio Ramos, those type of players. You say that, but what have like, they won? Did he do well with Apart that from Ramos? Players? I take take away the PSG bit, but Spurs didn't win anything. Mm. They didn't actually win a trophy with him, did they? I don't think they did. I don't, as he, yeah, I don't think they did with them. Yeah, they haven't won a trophy for no, nearly 20 odd years. So, they haven't won a trophy since 2008. Yeah. So, you know, I get it. He's, he's managed his players, but he's managed the players. He hasn't, as a collective, done anything with them. Um, you know, you could say he's managed Thiago Silva. You know, it, it, it's, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to see him sacked at all because I don't think that is the answer. I don't think sacking him is going to prove anything because you could bring in, you know, Jurgen Klopp and, and someone else or you could bring in Luis Enrique right now. I generally don't think those managers would do any better. But why would why would Enrique or Klopp leave a Liverpool or PSG to join oh, this no, Chelsea no. project with, with no project? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree, I agree. Um, I, I just think, I think we, we're at a point with the owners, with the club, with the manager, with the players, we're at a point where we have to just sit this one out now and just see how it plays out. Because if we sack him, who do we bring in? We've got to compensate Potocino again after compensating Graham Parr, um, who I technically I think we're still paying because he hasn't taken another job yet. Um, players are who, here. Who do you bring in? Who do you bring in? That's well, the other question. I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't agree with this. And I, I think this is a load of bullshit, really. No, we're going to say. Now, there has been talks about Jose Mourinho coming back, and I'm not. I'm not in favour of that at all. And I'll, I, the, for the, the simple fact is, I think if we remember when we had the uh, Aiden Hazard conversation, and we said, "Oh, you know, Aiden, Aiden Hazard might come back to Chelsea, one last dance, and all that stuff." But the same for Mourinho. Mourinho is not the Mourinho that was here when he was at Porto. Then he came to our. That is not the Mourinho you'll be getting. You'll be getting the Mourinho that is probably here. His family is still in London, so he'll just be coming back for that reason. He's not the the serial winner. I don't think that we know him to be. Does that make? Do you get what I mean by that? I no, 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 yeah, I do agree. And do I, someone of Mourinho's ego and personality, will he get on with this ownership? No way, no way, no way. They, they want a yes man, and that's this is why Potocino is in the job because I think I look at the squad and I think, and if I remember correctly, a lot of these players were brought before Potocino was actually in officially in the job. So mm. 
how many of these players are actually Potichino's players and how many are the what what due to the data, which is what we seem to be using, the stats and the data and all this other rubbish that we're using to sign players now, how many of that was done by the statisticians and how many people were involved in that? The you know the analyst who was involved in that, and how many were actually a, a list that Potocino? Can he actually give a list in January or next summer to the board and say, look, these are the players I need, or do they just say, no, 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 we've got that. We'll tell you who you need to work with. Now, if that's the case, there's no way Mourinho is taking that job because Mourinho likes control of the team. He likes to have the input. If you remember, this is why I think he left one of the occasions with Roman because it was a, a massive disconnect around who they wanted to sign at the time so yeah. was it Mourinho who I think it was with Fabregas to convince him to join Chelsea he took a napkin and drew like the lineup he was going to sign or the players so, he yeah. wanted yeah and he convinced Fabregas to join with that kind of napkin project yeah, 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 yeah. now that's purely based on the players that he wanted to bring in yep so I, I, I just I, I don't I think <laughs> We missed the boat when we could have signed, and I'm not saying these managers would have done any better, but you look at um, Enrique would have been, I think I even said at the time he was my number one. Uh, we obviously had uh, Julian Nagelsmann as well at the time. That was uh, heavily linked with us as well. But I expect Potocino to do better. I do. He knows the league. He's played, you know, we can't we can't say just because he didn't win anything, or I, I can't say just because he didn't win anything with Tottenham, that we should be finishing mid-table, which is 10th or 11th. That's ridiculous to, to even think of that is ridiculous. But I, I look at, as I said, I look at the game on Sunday. I watched Everton last night. They played, it's the first time I watched Everton and thought, yeah, you know, you, you, you know you've got, like you said, you know, you've got a bit of fire in your belly now. Um, Let's move over to, to to Sunday because it is a it is I did say yesterday it's a big game it's a massive game and I, the reason I say that is because of the pressure that I feel that Potocino the owners um, I, the, there's a bobbling pot at the moment and the fans are in that pot and fans then, booing the yeah. fans are booing the players at full time at Old Trafford yeah. it's going to play a part on Sunday as well it's going to be it's going to be a massive massive um, uproar if we don't win on Sunday so. Let's let's try and do our predicted lineup. Let's try and do you stick with Sanchez in goal or do you flick the switch? Are we doing are we doing our lineups or are we doing what we think will happen? Let's do our lineup. Let's do what we would go with. It's a very big game to give Petrovic his first appearance in. Mm-hmm. So I think I still would stick with Sanchez just with that experience. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe in a Sheffield game or perhaps a Newcastle game, I would play Petrovic in that. So I will stick with Sanchez for this one. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I know I've criticised him, but I think the first time we'll probably see Petrovic now is probably, like you said, the Newcastle game, uh, maybe in the FA Cup as well. Preston yeah. in the FA Cup, yeah. Although I did say yesterday I'm not confident with this squad playing Preston at the moment. I think they'll beat us. No. Um, no, I mean, that's, that's not me taking a piss. I think they'll generally beat us. So, um, right. So, right back, we're going to have to. We're gonna to have to put Reese James in there. He was dog shit for those forty-five minutes. He was, he was, but we don't have another option unless we put Cucurella no. or Desazi there. And why would you play someone who's a centre back as a right back when you've got a right back on the bench? No, yeah, and you do know that he's still got that quality somewhere in him. Hopefully, so yeah. it's just a question of him rediscovering that form. So yeah. you'd have to stick with James. Yeah, centre back partnership. Who played against Brighton? Silver and Ben Shield, was it? Yep. 
I go with those two. Yep. Yep. I think I, I think I had that as my predicted lineup for for United. I, I feel Badia Shields the most comfortable alongside Thiago Silva. He looks the most. Yeah, it looks like he's naturally comfortable in that position. And not say Tazazi or Kowal aren't, but I think this is a seriously winner. We have to win this game. So I've seen a couple of mistakes. I think I spoke about it on one of the videos around the Ikanji goal and um, Jamal Lascelles. And I felt Tazazi was probably at fault, if not for both, at least for that Ikanji one. Um, Everton set pieces are very, very good. Um, you know, they've got... Yeah. Yeah, they've got some really good players that they can throw into the box and make it difficult so we have to have someone who's got the the knowledge and awareness and the build and the strength to be able to deal with that so Badia Shield for me as well um, left back I think is self-explanatory but who would you go for? I'm going to say something a bit controversial I'm going to go with Matson. I know that he might be on, on his way out in January but I think this could be his one last chance to prove himself to show Pochettino that he's got a future at Chelsea and realistically, I think we've trial Cucurella's worked at times. It hasn't but for the majority of the time. Colwell wouldn't be, would be an unnatural left back. Mm-hmm. I would just give Matson a chance. Why not? Mm-hmm. I would Although do Pochino might favour him more as a winger, offensive player. Um, yeah. 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 But yeah, why not? Why not? Throw, throw the dice, roll the dice, yeah. Mm. I would agree with you. And <laughs> Until you saw his comment. Not that, and and I've, I didn't even speak about it. I think I spoke about it on the, the video yesterday, but he hasn't played hardly any football. And, and I knew we were going to lose the game against United when Maurizio Pochettino tried to bring Ian Matson on and he decided not to when, they, when we went 2-1 down. I just feel now with, with Matson, whether he knows something, maybe there's a deal that's been struck in the next couple of weeks. But for him to put that post on the Amrabat's Instagram post, I, I, it tells me that he's definitely finished with the club. <laughs> definitely finish with the club because that is disrespectful at the highest level and if you think as a Chelsea player you that's okay then don't be in a team for me I just you know we got you know no no I'd have to go with Cowell um, not, not Cowell Cucurell I'll go with Cucurell yeah. yeah so you've gone for Ian Matson. I've gone for Cucurell I think that's the only change the difference so far in the team mm-hmm. uh, midfield too this is where it gets interesting because I I would, I'd love you. I don't think it's fit. I no. don't really try to go Chuku in a game like this. I would have to stick with Enzo and Kaiseido. Mm-hmm. And it's whether you bring Gallagher back. We saw that Rhys James got the kind of naughty treatment after uh, after his suspension. Will Gallagher get the same when we start on the bench for this one? Mm-hmm. Or do you rely on, I want to take experience of Gallagher because that's what he is compared to some of the players to kind of come in. Um and then Palmer did look good as the number 10. He scored his brilliant goal, his first goal from open play yep. in that position. So maybe you stick with um, Palmer as the number 10, but that probably means having a bum like Mudrick starting. So I'm going to have to go with Gallagher um, in front of my numbers, my two midfielders. Yeah, I'm the same. I would, you know, if we had someone that could play on that left side and have Gallagher and um, have Palmer still continuing the 10, I'd agree with you, but I, I'm not watching Mudrick. No. I'm not watching Mudrick. I think Dwight McNeil... The Everton, I mean, like I said, Everton played really well. And I think we underestimate sometimes how some of their players are really good. Um, so, yeah, I can't have Dwight McNeil running rings around Madrid and Decore as well. Decore, Adrissa Gay in the midfield as well. So, um, yeah, it just wouldn't. No, no way. So I think I'm going to go with, like you, I'm going to go with Conor Gallagher back in the team, um, Cole Palmer on the left, Raheem Sterling, I'd assume, 
we'd have on the right. I think Nani Medwecki's still injured, so um doesn't really leave us many options on the right side, but Raheem Sterling. Raheem Sterling, agree, right wing, um, Palmer, left wing, and striker's gotta be Broja after what we said about Jackson. Yeah. And does Nkuku make the bench here? For me, yes. I think he has to. I think um we're coming up to a busy we're already in a busy critical part of the season and I think if he's not on the bench now it tells me that he's not he, he, they've rushed him back and I think they're, mm. they're, they'll take more precautions to um, maybe give him maybe they're aiming for the Carabao Cup game maybe that's the aim is to do that but I still think you need to give him some minutes competitive minutes before that game comes up before you can even think about either starting him against Newcastle or bringing him on and you know, it needs to have that build up before beforehand. So this for me, this would be a really good game to, to see him come into, maybe give him 20, 15 minutes at the end. But he's got to be on the bench. He has to be. He's been in training for two weeks now. Um I, I think the press conference is actually taking place right now as we're recording. So hopefully Potticino gives us some indication um of that. But yeah, he'd have to be on the bench for me. What what about yourself? Yeah, no, I'd have to agree. Um I was almost expecting him to be on the bench for either the Brighton or United game and he didn't feature um, I think I did say a couple of recordings ago um, that I expect him to get minutes in at least one of the three games, Brighton, United and Everton. So it's, I think Sunday, um, be on the bench, whether he comes off the bench, gets 15, 20 minutes. I'm not sure, but I'd like to see him be on the bench. I'm just I'm just literally, this is hot off the press. So apparently, according to Maurizio Potticino, uh, Nkunku is being assessed day by day. We'll see tomorrow, but he doesn't believe that he'll be involved. Um, but we do need to assess him day by day. And also the same for Malo Gusto as well. So it sounds like he's not going to be involved. It could be uh, another game that goes by that we don't see in Kunku. But as we said before, you know, I'm not banking on Kunku to come in and light the Premier League up or light the, the, the you know, the, the poor performances up and give us a, uh, you know, a new lease of life. I'm not expecting him to do that at all. You know, it's going to take him weeks, if not months to, gain you know full match fitness so I'm not expecting him to do any of that this season so um, not the end of the world you know I don't think he's I said the be all and end all I don't think it is but it would have been nice to to see if he does make a difference in that team as well but let's move over to our predictions before we wrap up let's um, <laughs> I mean I got it right I got it right in the week I, I said 2-1 I just picked the wrong team so um, I'll let you go first what do you think the scoreline is going to be um uh, I feel we got like we got a win against Goodison Park last season, opening game of the season. Yeah, a Jorginho penalty one nil. Yeah, but I just can't see us see us winning tomorrow on, on Sunday. I think it was one year where we lost three one. Mm-hmm. Kovacic got his first Chelsea um, goal, and like it was just a calamity of errors in defence that led to the Everton goals. And I think it's going to be similar. So I think it's going to be three one to Everton. Yeah, I would. I would be. <sighs> I'm going to go four nil, Everton. I think we are that bad. I think we'll lose 4 0. Fans would walk out, surely. I think, we'll, I think we will lose 4 0. That bad. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. If you don't laugh, you'll cry. And the reason I say that is because the, the line that we've chosen, we've picked, I don't think Maurizio Pochettino is even going to go for that. I would not be surprised if Reese James doesn't even make the team because if it is true what was said uh, midweek that he had some slight pain in his knee, he could have aggravated that coming on um, playing 45 minutes midweek. I wouldn't be surprised to see the Zazi probably ahead of Badia Shield or Cowell, Kukure at left back. 
which is a bit of a concern for me because I think he's got a bit of lapse of concentration sometimes with Cowell. Um, I wouldn't. Jackson. Yeah, Jackson would be playing, and I wouldn't be surprised if Mudrick starts and Palmer stays in the ten. So it's very unbalanced that team. It'd be so unbalanced. So I, I just don't. I don't see us winning. Um, but we have to get a win. We we have to be honest. We have to get three points. We have to. We can't. There, there could become a point where Everton overtake us in the league, and they've been deducted ten points. Hmm. Yeah, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, see, I mean, I joke about it now. I'm in a better mood, um, today than I was yesterday. But, you know, if we, if, if, all honesty, we could potentially, after tomorrow, be, you know, 12th, uh, on Sunday, sorry, be 12th or 13th, or even tomorrow. You know, if results don't go our way, you know, we go into that game on Sunday, you know, 12th or 13th, 11th. And Chelsea Football Club, December. This isn't August or September. This is the middle of the season. We're worse off than we were last season. I think it's by five points off the top of my head. I think after Everton, of course, we're playing Sheffield, who have just sacked their manager. No, of course. And yeah. they're going to have that new manager bounce. New manager bounce. Yeah. 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 So let us know your thoughts in the comments anyway. Uh, let us know if you think I'm crazy for the four nil prediction. Um, let us know about your lineup, what you would go with as well. Who would you have in front? Would you have Jackson or Broyo? Um, don't forget to subscribe and like the video, and also hit the link tree link in the description. I got that right today. I got it confused yesterday. Uh, make sure you go all all the social accounts. Make sure you go there, like, follow, share, subscribe, all of that stuff. Theo, as always, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. It's been a lot more calmer than, see, this is the calmer side of the podcast when Theo's on, when it's just me and I'm just, I'm allowed to rant on my own. It just goes left very quickly. So as always, thank you for joining us and we'll be back very soon with another episode.